Welcome, Neville. Thank you so much for this uh, fourth part of your workshop, which you, you gave us. The title of your workshop today is, again, Teach Me to Pray, but it has a very special and a very um, private uh, connotation. And the subtitle of your workshop today is From the Bottom of My Heart. Let's put this workshop into the hands of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to meet together and to experience together and exchange what others um, learned uh, through you. And Heavenly Father, when we are um, starting the, this workshop and this breakout session, which is again all about, Father, how can we pray? I would like to ask you for this evening in a specific and in a, in a very special way. Heavenly Father, bless Neville. And when he is sharing a very, very personal message, please be with him, surround him with your holy angels and also with your spirit. Heavenly Father, please open also our ears and our mind. Keep away all, um, all perturbances so that we can really focus on the message, that we are not getting disattracted. Heavenly Father, I'd like to put this evening into your hands and I'm grateful that you have already answered our prayers because you taught us, taught us when we are praying in your name, then you will be answering our prayers. Amen. Amen. Well, it is a wonderful privilege to be with you again today. We've looked at some of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. We've looked at specifically, Thy will be done. We wanted to make sure that we understood about the will of God and that we need to understand that we need to find His will for us. And then we looked at one of the things that are especially important to us, our really basic needs. So we looked at give us this day, our daily bread, look after us, protect us, give us a place to stay, clothes, food to eat, and so on, strength to do our work, and so on. And then on the last get-together, we looked at something that's also extremely important, that's forgiveness not just forgiveness for us and for our sins, but that we really understand the sin problem and understand too the very important aspect of also forgiving those that sin against us. And most of all, the most difficult one, to also forgive ourselves. And now we are getting to a place in the prayer that the Lord taught his disciples that actually some people say it's an addendum. It's not really a petition. And in some Bibles, you don't even find these verses. It's the verses right at the end, which reads, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, that is quite a conclusion to a prayer. 
to this prayer, certainly it expresses the emotions of many Bible writers at the end of their prayers. So it is not a request, it's not a petition, it's rather just a heartfelt expression of worship that acknowledges God as the source of all good things, and we, of course, then give thanks to him. I know many people can recite the Lord's Prayer from memory. In fact, um, I have a member of my congregation way up in the north, uh, a very, very um, honest, very humble person. But that person um, prays the Lord's Prayer exactly like it is. And they only pray that prayer, basically. And I understand that. Um, and although that's possible to do it, although it's good to recite it, it's good to know it, um, but that was not quite the intention of Jesus that we should do that. He didn't really expect us to memorize that which he was saying and that that's the prayer that we need to pray. That's not what he wanted. Like we said already in this series in a couple of times, the intention was that the disciples saw the relationship, the type of relationship that Jesus had with his father, and they wanted that same kind of relationship. And when they teach us how to pray, they were really asking him and saying, we want that same kind of relationship. We also want to be able to talk to your father the way that you are talking to your father. And so Jesus gave them this as a set of guidelines to steer them in how they can build and develop their relationship with God. So it's a framework for the basic areas we need to cover when we are speaking with God. He wanted us to flesh out situations in each area of our life so that we could grapple with and understand what we are dealing with, putting them in our own words. So the Lord's Prayer is mostly an example of how to pray when we are learning to communicate with our Creator. He's given us the structure to guide us into the intimate conversations with Him. So, of course, one of the most important things is we need to get involved in this series. So here is a, a piece of work for you that you can do. You don't have to write this down and you certainly don't have to send this to me, but write down the, the task, the assignment, and go and do it for yourself. This is going to be incredibly good for you. Using your own words, write a personal prayer to God following the themes of the Lord's Prayer. For example, His will, or forgiveness, or our daily bread, or whatever the case may be. But go and write down a short, simple prayer with one of those themes, just taking one of those themes, tackling one of those themes, and write something down so that you can start seeing how communication can flow with God and addressing at the same time this theme. 
Taking time to pray has a great effect upon us. It's very, very important to pray, but the effects are incredible. It slows down our body when we are praying. It takes the rush off. It takes the edge off. It slows our whole body, soul, and spirit down. And it brings us into His presence. So we can come to the place where we are receptive and open to Him. That's very important. We need to be receptive to what He's going to be addressing to us. After all, it is a two-way communication, not a one-way communication. And we have to be receptive and open to Him. So we come to an inner quietness where we don't turn prayer into a trivial thing. We no longer see God like Santa Claus. So we're not coming to stand in front of him with our list and ask him to take down our orders. But instead, we come into a relationship with an all-loving, all-forgiving, and all-powerful Heavenly Father. Then, having become receptive, receptive to the one we are talking to, we are able to bring all our needs before him. We can have the assurance that he will always answer our requests. His answers won't always be what we expect, though, nor will they always come in the way that we anticipate, but he always answers our prayers for our good. That's something we really have difficult with in grappling and understanding. But when we go to the Lord in prayer, when we put a prayer in front of God, He always answers that prayer. Always. You can be sure on it. You can go to the bank with that. He will put into motion that which is necessary to answer your prayer to your advantage, to the best advantage for you. So it might take time. It might not be instantly. It might take time, but that doesn't mean he didn't start answering it. He started answering it immediately the moment you asked him. It's no wonder, if we think about it like this, it's no wonder that people spontaneously utter expressions such as admiration and thankfulness to God, like we see at the end of the Our Father. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. One specific writer, Eugene Peterson, he uh, paraphrased the Bible at one point in time, and he, he ended off the um, prayer, the Lord's Prayer like this. He said, you're in charge. You can do anything you want. And you are ablaze in beauty. Wonderful way of saying it. To address him like this is to end our time of prayer where we began. In the presence of God. However, the ending might be more enthusiastic than the beginning. The Bible often describes God's relationship with us as being like a bridegroom with his bride, a very intimate relationship. 
And it's more than a one-way conversation. We've said that. Going through the Lord's Prayer so far has only been a one-way conversation in these petitions that we have been talking about. But prayer is a two-way communication that includes learning to listen to God talking back to us. This is important. Many of us do not get this. Many of us do not understand. As we read the Bible, God will speak to us. We have been listening to his word to us every time we have quoted and read the Bible. And so therefore, when we go and pray, it's not such a bad idea to have your Bible right there with you when you are praying. Or your hymnal. Your hymnal is a fantastic source. Or the spirit of prophecy. It's great sources. It's very good to have that close at hand. As we read the Bible, as we read the hymns, as we read the spirit of prophecy, God will speak to us. Yes, we've been listening to his word. Prayer is when we take God's word. When we listen to it and then respond to it. Respond to him by talking to him about what he has just said. How we understand it and how it will affect us. This is important to understand that. You see, we need to understand that the Bible is God's word. If we understand that, we know that it is God speaking to us. And when we know that this is God speaking to me, I can start reacting by talking back to him and saying, Lord, I get it. Now I want to clarify it with you. Of course, few people have heard the audible voice of God. For those who have, it is usually in exceptional circumstances, God mainly speaks to us through the Bible in pointing out the fundamental difference between the Bible and every other form of writing. God says as follows, and I want to quote, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy, that is whatever is written in the Bible, never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. And of course, speaking to a young man named Timothy, Timothy's mentor, Paul, said the following in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So the man and the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now let's give you another assignment. Let's give you another one to think of. After you've begun to read the Bible, whenever, in your quiet time, wherever, when you begin to read the Bible, what are the differences you've noticed 
in comparison to other literature. Just make some notes for yourself. You see, God speaks to us through his word, the Bible. And one way we can actually pray is to have a conversation with God based on any part of the Bible, as I have already mentioned. We can let him talk to us as we read a short passage or a longer one. And after reflecting on what it means, begin to talk back to him by sharing the thoughts that come to mind. In this way, we can pray to God for as long as we want. This gives us a clue as to how Jesus managed to pray all night on some occasions. Remember that God prayed nights, the whole night he spent in prayer. And often we say, how's that possible? I am tired after 15 minutes or five minutes or three minutes. How's this possible? But he spoke for the whole night. Okay. So at this point in time, before we conclude, at this point in time, I'm going to invite you. And I want to ask you with all reverence to join me as I'm going to go into a personal conversation with God. So I'm, I'm inviting you to sit in, to have the privilege of being there in a conversation between God and myself. So just bear in mind that it is a very respectful and a very holy moment. So please join me as I talk with the Lord. Lord, what a great privilege it is to be here tonight. What a wonderful privilege it is to be able to call on your name. Lord, this is so special because we are dealing with a group of people that are attending a Congress and an event that is organized by our church, by your people. And so they are far away from me. They are in Europe and all over Europe. And they are there. And I am way back here in Africa. And, and we have this wonderful opportunity of doing this in this specific manner where we can do it through this Zoom platform where they can even see me and, and I can even see their faces. And that's great. But Lord, I have invited them to be part of, of my conversation with you tonight. And, and I hope you don't mind. I know you don't mind because there's many, many people that pray to you all the time and you listen to all of us. So I'm sure you're quite happy that they are here. So Lord, I, I want to just talk to you about a couple of things. I read a song today, Lord. It's, it's in our old hymnal. And it's just such a great song. It says, Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. And when I see this and I see these words, I just think, Lord, I really need to be perfectly whole. I know there's so many faults in me. I know that I'm not perfect, Lord. 
when I look at you, I just see how great you are. I just see what a wonderful God you are. And when I see how wonderful you are, and I realize that you've given it all up to die for me, Lord, I can only think of how blemished I am, how full of spots I am. I really don't even deserve to stand here, Lord. I'm so thankful. Thank you for letting me be here at your feet. And Lord, it's the longing of my heart to be made perfectly whole. So please, Lord, if you don't mind, touch me and make me whole. The song says, I want thee forever to live in my soul. Yes, Lord, I really want this. I need this. I need you to live in me. Because if you don't live in me, I know that the enemy will get to me. He will get me worked up and I will, I will get flares of temper and, and I'll be hard-headed and I'll, I'll, I'll be arrogant and I'll, I'll be everything that is just not you. And I know I have to live your character, Lord. I have to reflect your character. So I need you to live in me. I need your Holy Spirit to make his dwelling place within me. So I thank you that you will make me perfect so that it is indeed a temple for your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, that you will live with me. Lord, it says, break down every idol. Cast out every foe. Lord, I'm not quite sure about every idol I have. I know that anything that has got any sort of priority above you, that's an idol. And so, Lord, I really need to come and talk to you about this because I'm not sure if I've cast out every idol. Maybe there are things that are more important than you. I really don't know. But if there is, I need you to show me this, Lord. I really need to get rid of these idols. They cannot be in my life. That's no good. I need to be on your side. I need to be wholly yours, wholly thine. So Lord, cast out every foe. Like you cast out those demons in Mary when she came to you and she, she laid herself at your feet and you cast out the demons again and again. The Bible tells us at least of seven times, Lord, that you did that. So if there's any demons in me, anything, any foe inside of me, that drives my character, that drives my behavior, and that withholds me from a perfect relationship with you. Cast it out, please. It goes further and it says, now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Yes, Lord, we said in the start when I read, we said, I long to be perfectly whole. And now we say, now wash me, Lord. Wash me and whiter than snow. Whiter than snow shall I be. I need to be like that, Lord. I need to be clear. No spot, no blemish. And the only way that can happen, Lord, is if you are the one in my life. 
if I am wholly yours, if you are living within me, then alone all my blemishes, all the bad spots can be hidden away and you, Father, can see your son Jesus in my place because it is then his spotless life. Then I can be whiter than snow. Lord Jesus, look down from thy throne in the skies, it says. Yes, Lord, you are well above far beyond we don't even know where it is we've got no idea but lord i know that paul tells me in thessalonians that you are coming and that you are coming soon one of these days in fact i can almost hear you you getting ready to come with the things the way it's going on this earth very definitely lord i can see that the signs in matthew 24 is playing out I can know that you are making ready to come. And I know that when you come and fetch us, we will go to heaven where you are right now and we will know exactly where you were, where your throne is in the skies above. Oh Lord, I need to be there. I need to go with you. Help me to make a complete sacrifice, it says. I give up myself, Lord. Oh, yes, I know. I really need this total surrender. I need to give myself up totally to you. There's no other way, Lord. No other way. So I want to make a complete sacrifice. I want to give myself as I am. Please, Lord, take me as I am. Lord Jesus, for this I most humbly entreat, it says, oh yes, I have to be on my knees, I have to humbly plead with you that you will take me, make me perfectly whole, wash me and whiter than snow shall I be. Take away all those spots and blemishes, put me rightly and justify me before you in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that I can be talking with you. I see thy blood flow. I see thy crucified feet. I see that by faith you can cleanse me. I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing me now. Thank you for speaking to me even through this through this particular hymn. How marvelous it is to see these words. How great it is to know that I can come to you as the king of the universe, to lay myself bare in front of you, to ask you, Lord, please, I need you in my life. I don't want to let you go, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, whilst we will continue our conversation later, I don't want to go. I, I want you to stay and remain right here in this presence. Please, Lord, don't go. Just please stay with us. Be with us as we 
continue with this with this webinar but please remain because i really still need to talk to you thank you jesus I want to give you another assignment. I think you get the idea. This was a hymn, a hymn that I read today in my morning devotion, and I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I knew this is what I wanted to discuss with Jesus today. But you can do the same thing, and you don't have to use long passages or long hymns to start with. You can do short passages. Psalm 23, for instance. Let me give you another example. I'm going to give you an example here that I've done before. But Psalm 23, just the first line where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. If you go to God with a simple line like that, you can speak to the Lord and you can say, Well, Lord, you are telling me from your word that you are my shepherd. You are my Lord, the Lord. And then you can say, well, I've learned that your name, you have called yourself by means that you're always here for me. And you can talk to him about that. And then you says, well, you say, this is you telling me, you are my shepherd. And you can say, wow, I have my own shepherd. Just look, I have my own shepherd. I'm just one of those little sheep there. Wow. And then you can say, well, God, you are speaking to me. And you say, you will supply all my needs. It's so encouraging to know that. And so you can talk to God. You see, that's him speaking to you. That's his word. He's speaking to you. And so you can speak to him. So here's your assignment. Why don't you take a short passage from the Bible? And write down a conversation with God in a manner similar to what I've just given you the opportunity to sit into. You see, it allows us to talk to God as a loving father. It allows us to get into that absolute intimate relationship that he so desires from us. And it is so fulfilling for us. It is so fulfilling because we sense that he's right there with us. We know that he's right there with us and we know that he's listening. He's got you and he's got me and he knows our addresses. God is an all awesome God. He's an amazing God. So write down a conversation for yourself with God. Take a small, short passage. It's fine. It doesn't have to be long. Just take a short passage and then talk to God. Go into conversation with him. All these experiences speak deeply to our human hearts. And in times of quietness and reflection, God often uses them to encourage and empower our lives. But all of these messages, all of that that's in his word, all of that that's in nature around us, in the hymnals, all of these things together 
reinforces, never contradicts what God has written in his word. As we read the Bible, we get to understand more about God and he in turn educates our conscience. He speaks to us through the conscience and he keeps us in tune with his words. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 3. 30, 21, it says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Wonderful verse. Wonderful, wonderful verse. The quiet voice may often sound like your own voice in your head. The way to discern its origin comes with experience, but you have to spend time with God. If you don't spend time with God, you'll never build the experience. Generally, if the words come totally unexpectedly, without any earlier focus from something you may have been thinking about, and they register with a strong inner conviction, then they are often from God. However, subjective impressions can be unreliable. Any belief that God has spoken to us by them needs to be tested. Tested against the word. Because they may not be reliable. Our minds sometimes play tricks on us and add to the confusion. Remember, Satan can also drop thoughts into our minds. That's very important to remember that. I'm currently speaking to a lady who is listening to the series that we are broadcasting. And that lady called me and, um, well, she says that God is speaking to her and he's giving her a lot of visions and stuff like that. And so she wants me to tell her what the visions mean and all kinds of stuff like that. And so listening to her the first night that she called me, I quickly and very um, clearly discerned that this is not the Lord speaking to her because it is out of line, it's out of tune with the word of God. So no matter whether, whether the experience is real, that doesn't matter. It's out of tune with the word of God, therefore it cannot be from God. So you gotta be sure, if you are patient, you are listening to the word of God, you want to know what God is saying to you, yes, that's fine, that's what we should do. It's two-way conversation, like we said, we need God to talk back to us. And yes, sometimes God will give us impressions, clear impressions, but it will never be out of sync with the word of God. Never. That you can be sure of. So here is a list of ways that you can test your thoughts and know if they are from God. I'm going to give you four. So these are ways that you can test, four of them. Do your thoughts agree with the Bible? Isaiah 8.20 is a reference there. Do your thoughts agree with the Bible? And you've got a reference as Isaiah 8 verse 20. The second one. Do other 
spiritually mature followers of God agree with your thoughts when you share them. If you think that God has given you specific thoughts or specific instructions or guidelines or insight, share them with spiritually mature people in the church and listen to what they tell you. We get this instruction in 1 Corinthians 14, 29, and in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22. Now, I love Paul. Paul is really one of the great characters, and I really hope that Paul and I will be able to talk in heaven one day. I, I would really like to visit with him. Um, and this is what he says. He says, we need to listen to those that are spiritually mature. We need to, to get our advice from them. They know a little bit more. They've been around a little bit longer. Then the third one, do circumstances that are providential in your life confirm the thoughts? Do circumstances that are providential in your life confirm the thoughts? In this regard, you can take a look at Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. Acts chapter 16, verse 6 to 10. And here's the fourth way that you can check, that you can test. Do the results of your thoughts work out in a way that impacts your life positively, or are they destructive in your life and the lives of others? Do the results of your thoughts work out in a way that impacts your life positively or are they destructive in your life and the lives of others Matthew 7 verse 15 to 20 very important test these the last one I can give you an example let's say you see something lying around a purse it's lying there in the street so you pick up the purse and you don't try and find out whose purse it is. There's a lot of money in it. And you decide, oh, this is great. I've got some money. God must have providentially given me some money. But in the meantime, there's somebody that's lost everything that they have. And that's their rent money for their house. And they are now going to have a serious problem. And although... It might be providential to you because you've got a lot of money now. It is, in fact, very destructive and negative for other people and might be more than one life, not just the person whose person it is, but the family of that person whose person it is. So when you get the thought saying, ah, take the money, God is giving you the money. No, probably in line of this test, the right thing to do is try and find out whose purse it is and make sure they get back the money. So that's the kind of test that you have that you can make sure that the, that the thoughts are from God and not from Satan. Through hearing what God has done for you in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, God draws you to him and strongly impresses you with the Holy Spirit speaking in your inner being. 
John 16, 7 to 15. Until that time, the Holy Spirit has been influencing you and your life from the outside. However, if you respond positively to the Holy Spirit's call, then he moves from being outside of you to being inside you by joining with your human spirit. John 14, verse 16 and 17, or 16 through 17. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. It is just like a man and a woman who fall in love. Their spirits are joined, and in a sense, they become one. See, when, when my wife and I met each other, at first we were just acquaintances, and then we became friends, and then it became a lot more, and eventually we married, and when we married, we really have become one. And I can tell you one thing, I cannot go through life without my wife. I really can't. Even if I travel a lot, and Christiana knows I travel a lot, but let me tell you, if wherever I am, if I do not know that my wife is praying for me, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. It is absolutely important for me. I know that. My wife and I are joined together. I know that. I know she's praying for me. And she often knows about problems before I know about those problems. She starts praying before I've even known that there's a problem. So I am really happy. And this is what happens. It's the same thing. It's a, it's a simple illustration, but it's the same thing that, that kind of happens. So when we respond to God's spirit, he speaks to our human spirit and a deep level of intimacy between him and us begins. And this intimacy comes out when we go into conversation with God. That's why I like it much, much more to say that we are going into a conversation with God than to say, I'm going to pray. Well, pray is okay, you know, but it's like the idea that we have about prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God about things. I'm going to quickly ask him to give me your stuff. Well, that's not what praying is about. Praying is really going into a conversation with God. I'm now going to talk to my friend, my best friend, my God, the one who cares for me, who deeply cares for me, who knows and understands every fiber in my body. The one who really knows, even the one that knows what's going to happen with me so he can prepare me for what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen to me today, but he knows and he might need to prepare me because it might be something terrible. And he might have to prepare me. So I better know. And I better go to my conversation with Jesus because that's important. Here are some things that result from the union of God's Holy Spirit with us. I'm going to give you a couple. Just list you a couple. So let's go. You become increasingly aware that you loved valued and cherished beyond relief, beyond belief. You, you just know that. You know that you are deeply loved by God. You know that he cares for you. You understand that, that he values you. You know, one day when we are in heaven, I'm diverting you. I said, I'll just listen, listen, but I need to give you an example here. So I'm diverting a little bit. When we up in heaven one day, we will, we will be in church one day, and I can just see it in my mind's eye. I'm just looking in my mind's eye now. 
and I can just see it. We're in church in heaven, and Jesus is preaching, and he, he finished the sermon. It was an awesome sermon, because, I mean, what better teacher is there in this world? He's the best. And we, 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 we listened to this fantastic sermon. We had this fantastic music with the angel choir singing for us, and so we are going out of church. And as I'm walking towards my house, all of a sudden, there's this arm around me, and it's Jesus. And he says, hi, Neville. He says, you know what? I've been meaning to, to talk to you. I'm so happy you're here in heaven. I'm so happy you are here. You know, there's nobody like you in the whole universe. Do you know that? You are the only one. You know what? Even if you were the only sinner, I would have died for you, Neville. Do you know that? Because I really care for you. I wanted you in, in heaven with me. I'm so glad you are here. See, this is what happens. When you get into that relationship with Jesus, you know that. You know that he really cares and loves, for you, loves you. You really know that. So second one. You develop a sense of awe, wonder, and passion towards God. Oh, the first one, you can go to Galatians 3, verse uh, chapter 3, 18 and 19, if you want the text reference. The second one, you can go to Psalm 8, verse 1 to 9, um, if you want the reference for that. Any abuse, third one, any abuse from the past begins to be healed. This is the other thing that works. It's so fantastic. Philemon 8 to 10. It's a good reference here. And I'm going to divert again. I'm going to tell you a very personal story. And I know that people will be really annoyed at me if I tell you the story. But I'm going to tell you the story. I don't often tell it. There's very few people that know this. But I'm going to tell you. When I was a boy in high school... When I was a boy in high school, a teacher physically abused me. That's a very, very nasty experience. It's certainly not something that you want to share around to a lot of people. It's really not good. I know that our community mostly think that, you know, boys, you know, boys are not affected. It's part of growing up, boys. You know. But let me explain something to you. I, I had this happening to me. And for years, for years, that lived within me. And it was extremely difficult to get my character around that. In fact, I really hated anybody that came close to kids. I always had that uneasy feeling. I hated it. I was overprotective with my own two boys. Um, I can tell you lots of things. It certainly had a huge impact on my own relationships. 
with my mom, with my dad, with my brother, with my sister, it had huge impact. I really loathed this teacher. And I almost made it a point when I left school to try and track him down because I really didn't wish him well. I didn't want him to be happy at all. And then he was caught for exactly that. And he was actually jailed after the third time that they caught him. He was jailed and he went to jail. But by that time, when that happened, I was converted. And by that time, Jesus had taken care of the hurt. And Jesus had taken care of the broken relationships. And he restored all of that. And so by the time he got to jail, I didn't hate that man anymore. In fact, I could actually speak to his family and say, I really hope that Jesus will touch his heart too. Because also Jesus loves him. He's also unique, you know. Jesus made him. He knit him together in the womb of his mother. And Jesus meant him to have eternal life. Not go and be lost. And if Jesus loves him, I've got to love him. So Jesus heals the hurt. And I can tell you that firsthand. Fourth one, childlike faith. Simplicity and spontaneity are rediscovered. Matthew chapter 18 verse 3 is a good reference for that. The next point, self-esteem and a sense of personal identity blossom. The reference that you can use for this is Psalm 139 verse 1 to 18. The next point. You realize that the kingdom of God is available to you right now. Right now it's available to you. And you begin to experience it in your attitudes towards materialism. You'll be amazed. Matthew 6, verse 25 to 34. Fear, guilt, and shame disappear. 1 John 4.18 is the reference that you can use there. Another one. The assurance of eternal life becomes very important. It's more important that your relationship with Jesus Christ is right. It's more important that you have the assurance that you will be saved than anything else in life. Anything else is just not important at all. 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. You begin to experience a sense of real peace and joy. Philippians 3, verse 1. And you want to live as God asks, and obedience becomes a pleasure. John 14, 15. That's part of this relationship, part of what will develop in this intimate relationship when you 
who's the conversations with God, when you really get to meet him, when you start living a relationship with Jesus Christ. So prayer is a lifestyle, not a habit. It's a lifestyle. Yes, you can get into a habit, but that's not going to help you. You need to be a lifestyle. Healthy communication between spouses is a major indicator of a healthy marriage. The opposite is also true. Communication breakdown between husband and wife is a major cause of marriage breakdown. Our prayer life, our communication with God also has a major effect on our spiritual and religious life. If we don't have communication with the Lord, our relationship is in a bad standing. When we neglect our time with God in reading his word and sharing with him in conversation, in prayer, our connection with heaven soon breaks down. The problem is always one-sided. He's never far away from any one of us. We get too busy or distracted with the things of life. And the reality and the really Oh, we yeah. can hear you. Okay. Can you hear me now? Okay. Probably just a power surge or something like that. I'm not sure why, but anyway. You're back. Yeah. That's the most important thing. So we really need to work on that, our communication with God. That's the nature of habits. Habits just become meaningless. They just, no good. But when we have a relationship, when we really talk to God, then he's our personal friend. We cannot go without it. We just have to have him. So that's what we need to strive for. We don't say the same things over and over to our closest friends. We don't. We just don't do that. We, we talk about all the interesting things in our lives and the new things that we've experienced and, and happen and we share our photos. Just look at Facebook. And you see how important things are to people to share their experiences. And we don't want to share them with God. Why not? Talk to God about them. Tell him about it. Our communication with our friends are wrapped up with our lifestyle, our interests, our happiness, and our sorrows. So it is varied. And so it is with our conversation with God. It should be varied. Sometimes we're going to have losses. Sometimes we lose people. We need to go and talk to him about it, about the grief. We need to verbalize it to him. 
Although we may have times for prayer during the day, for example, when we first wake up or whatever, before meals, the last thing maybe before we go to sleep, what we share with him grows out of his word, the Bible, and what is happening in our lives. He's vitally interested and involved. If we will invite him in, and then God invites us to have a lifestyle of prayer. So now he becomes involved all of the time, not just the set times. Now he's involved all of the times. And the nice thing about that is, if our lives become that way oriented, oh, sorry, if our lives become oriented that way, when we get into a crisis, when we walk into a crisis, well, he's right there because we're used to it. We're used to having him right there. We're talking to him all the time. We in a lifestyle of conversation with him. He's right there with us. We don't even have a problem. So that's where we need to go. Let's get involved one last time. If God has awakened in you a longing to become more connected to him. Here's the question. How will you now include prayer as part of your lifestyle? If God has wakened up in you this need to be talking to him, living with him, having a personal relationship with him, having an intimate personal relationship with him, if he's awakened that in you, how is that going to change your life? It is my prayer that these four lectures has been of some meaning to you and that it's been able to guide you along in your prayer life. That's what it's all about. Your theme saying, ask, ask, go to Jesus and ask, speak to him, talk to him about your life, talk to him about the things that matter and see what he can do for you. I pray that that you too will have a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and that you will enjoy every minute with your best, best friend. May God bless you. Amen. Shall we pray? Lord, I am so grateful and so thankful that you are here with us. Thank you for this opportunity and this time to be talking about our conversation with you. And thank you that you have been guiding us and leading us. I pray that you have touched and reached the hearts of those that needed to have their hearts touched. And I pray that you will be with us as we take our steps in life, in our journey forwards. Thank you, Lord, that you have been with us. And thank you for blessing everyone who attended the ask. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If there's any questions or any comments that people would make, I, we still have time, so I'm quite happy to stay around for a while. Thank you so much, Neville. Mm, I have a question about the, the, the prayer. Mm. Uh, you talk about that the prayer have to be a lifestyle. 
Mm, but what's the difference uh, with that and a habit? So then you have uh, has a habit to to pray three times a day. So it's a, a period of time that we have to to apart to pray. But a lifestyle it's similar as an habit, or isn't it? Not quite. A habit is something that you do because you have gotten into a habit. So often, let me take smoking as a habit. You will see people smoking. And sometimes they will not even feel like a smoke, but because they are standing there doing nothing, automatically the hand goes into the pocket, take out a cigarette, put it in the mouth, and they start smoking. It's a habit. Because if they have nothing else to do, well, they smoke. And that's a habit. Of course, it's a very difficult habit to break, but it is still a habit. Do they really need it? No, they don't. Um, do they really think about it? No, they don't. Does it cost anything? No, it doesn't. But when we are talking about a lifestyle of prayer, it means a conscious decision and a conscious move to, to go into an intimate relationship and a conversation with Jesus Christ and to have him with you all the time. Not just as an imaginary friend or, you know, maybe I just, well, you know, I get into a habit, I pray every morning at five o'clock and then I pray at 10 o'clock and then I pray at four o'clock and that's it. No. And then of course, a habit can form within a couple of weeks, then you've got a habit. And then after a while, you'll find that you are going and you're standing on your knees and you're repeating the same kind of prayer or the same kind of answers, the same kind of questions, the same kind of things that you are praying for, you know, well, you know, Lord, let us be safe. Please give us the food to eat. Um, thank you for, for having the clothes that I have. Uh, be with those in Ethiopia are hungry, stuff like that. But there's no meaning in it. Absolutely no meaning. It's just words. That's not what the lifestyle is. A lifestyle of communication is when I really want to speak to you. When I really want to spend time with you. And when it becomes so important, this little thing, it's a stupid little thing. I bought a little teddy bear, but it's so, and I really want to come and share this little teddy bear with you. You get what I'm saying? And that's the same thing. When something happens to me and I say, I can't wait. I really need to tell Jesus right now. That's a lifestyle. Okay, I understand. Sure. It's like a, like a close friend that you uh, tell the part, all the things that you do in the day. If you want to tell to someone, uh, the first uh, action that you do is to yes. tell, to call to a friend and to, to call. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's exactly how it is, and it's meaningful because you really mean it, and you want good feedback. You want people to respond. You, it's not just like. Okay, so I've told it now. No, you want them to respond. You want them to know that, well, they got it. And that's, that's a lifestyle. Much, much different than a, than a habit. But uh, uh, the habit, it's part of the lifestyle. We have to have, uh, we have to take some times in the day to pray, a specific time to pray. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There are times when, when I portion things out. So for instance, 
I pray every morning at five o'clock um, because David tells us to pray early in the morning and it's a preparation for the day. So sometimes the Lord wakes me up before and I never set a clock. Um, when I go to bed and when I eventually go to bed, I'll say, well, Lord, you know, I need to come and speak to you in the morning and I'm not sure how many time you will need, but whatever time you need, please wake me up in time. And I allow the Lord to wake me up. And sometimes he will wake me up at three. Most often he wakes me up at five, but sometimes he wakes me up at three o'clock. And when I wake up, I'm awake. And then I know it's time. I need to go and speak to the Lord. And I go and speak to the Lord. And often that time extra is time that he needs to speak to me, to prepare me for what is coming. Um, sometimes I need to be prepared. You know, he's the only one that knows that. There's nobody that can look into a crystal ball or there's no uh, the stars foretell or there's nothing like that that can tell me what's going to happen with my life today. Nothing. The only one that knows what's going to happen to my life is Jesus Christ. And you know what? Jesus has got no problem telling you what's going to happen to your life. Do you know that? The Bible tells us that too. In fact, he told Peter, do you know that? Yes. He told Peter. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. And he told Paul. And there's other examples as well. Many, many examples. If you ask him, he will tell you. And he will prepare you. Now, if I know that that's the only person that knows what's going to happen to me. Well, to me, it's very important when I wake up in the morning, I better spend time with him and check my day with him. And say, so, you know what? Um, I had these plans or, or this is in my diary or... Um, no, this is this is what we were thinking of, but look, you know what my day is like. You know what's going to happen. Would you would you mind? Let me give you an idea. Um, I came back from Europe. Uh, I was in Hungary at the uh, at the youth convention in in hungary i was addressing the youth there and i came back and i flew via south africa and in south africa i stopped because there was something that i really wanted that i cannot buy in my country i had to get it in south africa and at the same time i needed to go to a church in pretoria because we're building a radio station there and i had to go and see how this radio station was getting along so I stopped off, my wife and I, we came from, uh, from uh, Thailand, Chai Prakan. We were up there, we were training Chinese people um, in Chai Prakan. And then we spent two days uh, just resting a bit. And then we flew to South Africa. And then I went to see this church to see what was happening there with a the radio station. And that afternoon, my, my wife and I, we we go to her sister who lives in South Africa to see her sister. I'm driving. But I spoke to the Lord in the morning and the Lord said, you know what? Um, just be aware that this day is not going to be as smooth as any other day. But it's going to be all right. Don't worry. But it's not going to be smooth. I didn't know what God meant by that. But of course, if God tells me something, I know I have to listen. Mm 
when we were at my wife's sister's home, all of a sudden I got a pain in my chest, like a really, really bad pain. I stood up, I walked outside, I prayed. I said, Lord, is this it? The Lord said, this is it. I went back into the house. I went to the bathroom. I quickly washed my face just to recover a little bit. I went back into the living room and I said, please, can um, your son get in the car? I need to go to the hospital now. Not just now. I'm in serious trouble. Take me to the hospital. They got into the car. They took me to the hospital. I had a heart attack. And I had to stay there three days. The day wasn't as smooth as I thought it was going to be. But I prayed in the church that morning. I saw what was happening. God allowed me to drive the vehicle, not making an accident, not happening while I'm driving. He kept my wife and I safe. It happened at my, my, my wife's sister's home. It was close to the hospital. They could get me to the hospital in time. The, the people that we stayed with, whose car it was, they could come from Pretoria. They could take the car back. Everything was okay. But if I hadn't made time to talk to God, things could have been horribly different. But I was prepared. That's what I'm talking about. So we really need to speak to God about what's going to happen to our day. And we need to do that in the morning before we leave our, our houses, houses, before we go outside the door. We had better check and understand what God wants to do with us that day and do what he wants us to do. Mm. But, but how, how do you know how God shows you? As an impression, as a verse? In, in your case, sometimes, sometimes he speaks to it. Mostly, mostly he speaks to us directly through his word, directly, mostly. But he sometimes gives us an impression, a very clear impression. In this particular case, it was a very clear impression. The day was not going to be good, but it was going to be okay. It wasn't going to be good. Okay. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Hi, Neville. Hi there. You hear me? This is Thomas from Munich. Um, Andreas is asking uh, if is there a recording available? Yes. Yes, uh, Christiana and I spoke about it. They are definitely recording, or they are, in fact, they are recording. I can see they are recording. And um, they will edit the recordings. And as I understand it, in a week or so, they will put it up. They will let you know. They told me that they will send out communication. It'll either be on the ex, uh, Excel event or something like that, or alternatively on their website. But they will um, let people know and it will be available. So they will email us or? Yes, we, we will contact you. Um, it might be on our website or on our YouTube channels of ASI Europe and GYC Europe. But we let you know. And it's all recorded, yeah. Okay. Thanks. You're welcome. That's a pleasure. I have another question, Neville, about um, we have many voices, right? So we have the God, vi God voice of God and the voice of the enemy in our voice. 
So how how we can build a difference between oh, our voice and the enemy in the God? By checking out against scripture. The Bible tells us in 1 John, always, it says test. In fact, it says they test the prophets, but prophets are people that say that they speak according to the word of God or they are speaking for God. So whenever there's any kind of impression or voice or whatever it is, doesn't matter, even a dream, doesn't matter, whatever it is, you can always go back and test it against the word of God. Isaiah tells us that this is the sure word of God. And so we can listen to that. So if, if it does not, if it's not according to the word of God, it says there is no light in them, says Isaiah. Yes. So that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a decision that we have to take. If there is a decision, if there is no light in the Bible, that what we can uh, yeah. realize that it's the, our voice that was the enemy. Yes. So whatever, whatever the impression is, whatever the dream is, whatever the voice is, that's doesn't matter. But you take that and you say, all right, let me see what the word of God says. And if it's out of line with what the word of God says, well, then it's not from God. When, when I do a series, when I do, um, when I do any evangelistic series, the theme or the underlying principle is this. If it's in the Bible, I can believe it. If it's not in the Bible, I cannot believe it. It's not for me. Whatever it is, God never speaks against his word. The prophets right from the beginning, all the prophets, every single prophet in the Bible never spoke against the prophet before anything. It's all in line. It always harmonizes. Jesus harmonizes with him. Even Jesus doesn't go against his word. He quotes his word. He goes back to the, even when the Satan tempts him, he goes back to the word. Um, Paul and them, they go back to the word. When, he, when Jesus tells us about the Holy Spirit, he says, the Holy Spirit's main job is to lead you back to the word, to, to, to educate you of the word. So Jesus will never go against his word. Never, ever. So there's no doubt that we can test anything, any impression, any dream, any prophecy that people says, anything like that. We can always test it against the word. But in our personal decisions that we have to take, instead, uh, we have to, to see if that kind of area of our topic is in the spirit of prophecy or in the scripture. Yeah. We have to decisions and, in that light yes and make sure it is it is indeed um i've just had a very interesting situation where there was a couple in europe actually they live i think now they live in sweden they didn't live there but i met them up in finland and they came to me and they spoke to me as a couple and they said uh, you know they they want to talk to me about certain things and i said okay fine and uh, we talked and they told me their stories. And I said, all right, well, um, my advice is we need to pray about this. That's, that's the advice. And uh, we made uh, a plan that the young lady would pray and the young gentleman would pray and I would pray. And we put the time on that. And we said, we will pray for so many days 
And we will ask God to give us clear guidance on this. And God did. And then when he gives us the guidance, of course, we have to be um, brave enough to accept what he tells us. Sometimes what he tells us is not what we want to hear. But we have got examples of that in the Bible too. You know, Ahab was one of them. Uh, he said, oh, I've got my prophets. They are the ones that always tell the nice things to me. And then the, the king said, one of the, the king of the other territory said, well, is there maybe other prophets? Yes, I've got this one. He's in jail, but I don't like him. He never says anything that I like. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes God tells us things that we don't. In that particular case, that prophet said something that they didn't like, but Ahab didn't listen. He went anyway. And that day he was killed. So, um, yes, we need to be sometimes brave because sometimes God tells us very clearly that this is not the way forward. This is not what you should be doing. It might be what you want, but it still isn't the way that you should go. You know, often, and I, and I want to use this example, often with young people, it is relationships. Often they say, ah, but you know, I'm sure that the person will come around. This person, they will see my life and they will come around to Jesus. And you know, the Bible is very clear. It says, no, those relationships are not good for us. It's not the best thing, but we say, ah, you know, we know. And can I tell you how many people come and speak with me and now they are in, in their advanced stages of life and they say, you know what, all these years, no change. And you know what? It becomes a very lonely life. And sometimes not so good a life. So it never works. And God, it was like God wasn't telling them. They always tell me, they said, no, they actually did know. But they were stubborn. They didn't want it that way because their emotions said they like the boy or they like the girl or whatever. Yeah, that's okay. But we should learn to listen to God, and then we should be brave enough to follow him where he leads. We have a question in the chat, and I think it's slowly time to wrap up. Yeah. Let's take this question from Izo. Yeah, Izo, oh. you are ask, asking about contemplative prayer. You obviously are not quite... Uh, in law or not, I don't want to say this, but I, this is best I can say. You probably don't know what contemplative prayer is all about, really. You've got an idea, you've heard it, and you think that what I've done is contemplation. No, that's not contemplation, that's conversation. Contemplative prayer is when a mantra is used to take me into a space of inner emptiness. That's contemplative prayer. This is not contemplative prayer. I am fully aware of everything going on around me. I'm 100% aware of what I'm discussing with the Lord. And I'm in full conversation with him, fully knowing that he is right there and listening to me and I've got his word. And I'm taking the word and I'm communicating with the word the whole time. 
Contemplative prayer is when I use, and that can be a Bible verse, the mantra. The mantra is not something strange. The mantra can be steps to Christ. It can be a Bible verse. It can be anything like that. Like, for instance, if you love me, keep my commandments. That could be a, could be a mantra. And if you are saying that over and over and over and over, getting you into a state of self-hypnosis and then going into a space of emptiness where your mind is emptied and your frontal lobe is disengaged, that's contemplative prayer. And that's a big, big, big difference. That's a major, major difference. And where you want to be impressed by whatever comes into your empty mind then, that is a totally different thing. We are, we are not talking about that. And no, that is certainly not something you want to go into, and you certainly do not want to play with that. Thank you very much for this clarification and this very, very clear word. Is there another question out there? If it's not the case, then again, I will thank you so much for this evening, which we could experience um, where you gave us, uh, where you worked as a testimonial and contributed to the change of our lives in a way that we know how, how we should and how we can pray and also the importance and the life-changing aspect of a permanent conversation with the Lord. Thank you so much. Amen.